So I invite you to open your Bibles to Paul's letter to the Colossians. Oh yes, and the children that are going with uh, Kay this morning, I noticed most of them did get that message. Okay. So if you didn't bring a Bible, there should be one in the chair you're sitting on, one in front of you. And Colossians is in the New Testament. It's a letter that Paul wrote to that city. And there's some things in there that are worth your attention. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. We pray that uh, you would use your spirit to ignite our hearts to hear and understand more of what we need to hear and understand about you, about the life that you offer, about the gift of your son Jesus, about the work of bearing fruit, of seeking you, passionately pursuing you. Give us unction this morning from your spirit. Stir our hearts, rebuke us, correct us, reprove us, exhort us according to your word and according to your will. In Jesus' precious name, amen. So if you would turn in chapter 1, Paul's letter to the Colossians, I'm going to start in verse 10. And we pray this, in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father. So last week we introduced this section, and I have an outline up here, that uh, trying to understand, yesterday I had an awesome privilege to spend time trying to culminate my thoughts during the week to come together to talk about a life that is worthy. And so I had the privilege to have a friend stop by, who is uh, is currently he's a drug dealer, and he stopped by to visit me, and uh, it was it was so awesome because I spent I had already spent probably some hours talking and thinking through and praying and reading and studying about what it means to live a life worthy, and in comes my friend, and uh, we've known each other for some years now, so he didn't he. He was he's done trying to impress me, and uh, so I was grateful for that. But you know, I just had a chance just to share with them just briefly, and I just sat there thankful and grateful to God because by His grace and by opportunity of people investing in my life, I had a different idea of what it means to live a life worthy than what He was trying to share with me. And uh, it was just the contrast was stark. 
And so I've been pondering this, not just today, but for weeks. And um, I, hopefully I want to be move on, because there's so much more of this letter to get to. But I, I can hardly get over the privilege, the awesome privilege to be called to live a life worthy. I wish I could just take every young person and in a loving way, I mean this in a loving way, to just shake them and let them know the purpose and the privilege of your life to live a life worthy. What a privilege. What an honor. What awesome beauty to be called to live a life worthy. We can give our life away for so many things. And I was just reminded yesterday, we can't give our lives away so cheaply. We can't give our talents away so cheaply. We can't give our energy away so cheaply. We can't give our our mind away so cheaply. And so we have this privilege. And Paul even is, is praying here for them. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy. And so a worthy life. A worthy life is a life that's pleasing to the Lord in every way. And he just goes down. And I... I just follow right down the page as best I could. A, li- a pleasing, a life pleasing to the Lord in every way. A life bearing fruit, good fruit. A life growing in the knowledge of God. A life lived in His power. A life developing and practicing, and which will result in endurance and patience. We won't have endurance and patience if we don't stay connected to Him, continue in Him. A life joyfully giving thanks to the Father. And so I want to just take some time and go back. So let's just go to number one, Troy. So a worthy life is a life pleasing to the Lord in every way. A life pleasing to the Lord in every way. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, We make it our goal to please Him. He told the Romans, those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. Instead, He told them not to be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you would be able to know and test and approve what pleases God. He told the Ephesians that they were not to be children of the darkness, but to be children of light. And the fruit of life consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And he told them, find out what pleases the Lord. If you want to add value to your life, value to what you're doing, value fullness, as this letter speaks of often, find out what it means to please the Lord and pursue it. Don't give your life away cheaply. You only have one life. You only have one opportunity to live that life so live a life worthy it's an awesome privilege to be called to that he assured the Thessalonians that he and his companions were not trying to please men but please God who tests their hearts in Corinthians he reminded them not to live their like live their lives in disobedience that their forefathers did whose bodies were scattered over the desert For God was not pleased with them. So living a life that's worthy is living a life that's pleasing to God. 
So whatever you're doing right now that's not pleasing to God, whatever we're doing that we might be doing in our life, and we know we're not stupid. We have the Holy Spirit to rebuke us and correct us, and you and I both know there's things in our life we need to stop. We need to end them. I love the shock on the new couples when they come to visit me. And we're talking about preparation, not for a wedding, but for a marriage. And I look right at the wife and I said, how much pornography do you want your husband to be dealing with? And she looks at me in shock. And she says, absolutely none. So I look at him and I say, you are done with pornography because it's not worthy of marriage. It's not worthy of this relationship. And then you can go on in other ways. How are you spending your time? What are you allowing into your mind, into your heart? Where's your energy going? Are you living a life worthy? Yeah, Life that's worthy is a life that's pleasing God. And by pleasing God, you will continue to learn things that are, make your life worthy. It adds, your, adds weight to your life, as we learned last week when Belshazzar was found wanting, right? His life was weighed in the balance. It wasn't a worthy life. He told the, Paul told the Galatians that those who seek to please God will walk in step with the Spirit rather than walking in step with the flesh. And the, there's a compelling privilege to be responsible, to be someone, to be responsible for someone. And so living a life worthy, I had a, I was watching a friend the other day. He didn't know I was watching him. He was over at my house visiting, and it was early in the morning. He was out on the patio. He was going through his devotions before I went out there to join him. And devotion is just a simple time set aside for God in the quiet of the day. Wherever, it doesn't have to be in the morning, but morning's a good time before you get rolling. And I saw him looking at some pictures of his family. I'm thinking, oh, I need to get that. So yesterday, as I was thinking about living a life worthy, I thought, uh, who am I responsible to and who am I responsible for? And I just quickly made a list of just my immediate family, and I was already up to 48 people. And that didn't include any of you all, except those who are my blood here. But there's so you and I... Part of living a life worthy is not living for yourself. That there's other people you are responsible for, and there's other people you're responsible to, and that helps us to live a life worthy. That we would live a life worthy, especially, you know, he says, live a life worthy of the Lord. And that your time, your energy, your talents, I had a little, another friend challenge me a while back to just look at my life as a whole. And I, can't, I know you can't see this chart from there, but it has circles on it. And inside the circles are the different areas of a human life. Okay? And in the very center, I put your spiritual life. Okay? Your walk with God. And here's one of the things that the letter of Colossians is teaching me. Don't try to make Jesus prominent in your life. If you try to make Jesus prominent in your life, you're missing the point. He's not prominent in your life. He's preeminent. 
And if he's not preeminent and you try to make him prominent, then he's just a, he's just a part. He'll have, you'll have, you'll give him your overflow, your extra little time that you might have if you have any overflow. You don't have overflow if you're not walking intimately with him. But these areas of our life, physical, emotional, intellectual, relational, vocational, aspirational, you're just your goals. So there's these different areas of your life and you think, and my friend was inviting me and challenging me. Chris, you look at such a little tiny part of your life to live a life worthy. What about all these other areas of your life? And I was like going, yes! Are you calling me up? Are you calling me to bring it? Are you calling me to give my best? That's what Paul's doing. He's firing a letter off to these Colossians. And he's saying, live a life worthy. You can give your life to so many things. You can give it away so cheaply, so wrongly, so worthlessly. But we have a Lord, a King, a Master who calls us up to live a life worthy. And we live a life worthy by pleasing Him in every way. Seeking whatever your hand finds to do. Doesn't He say that in Colossians? Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your heart as unto the Lord rather than men. If you're down here and you're living and you're striving and you're working hard to please your neighbor, I'm glad for you. But it's pretty self-centered. Because you want your neighbor to approve of your behavior. But if you're down here and we're down here, your neighbor is going to get really blessed if you're living a life worthy of the Lord. Because then your motives are different. Your motives are to live, and whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord, for His glory, for His honor. Then you won't be so concerned if you get noticed or not, if somebody thanks you for what you've done or not. He goes on, after living a life pleasing to the Lord, and we can spend a lot of time there, I want you just to get the taste that this is a there's a life worth living. There's a life worth living. And it's not about ourselves. It's about living a life that's worthy of the Lord in pleasing Him in every work. So go to the, the number two there, bearing fruit in every good work. This is basically the fruit of the Holy Spirit in every good work. Because we can do lots of things. You can do lots of different types of projects, lots of t- types of relational work. But if it's not the fruit of the Holy Spirit because that fruit's being born in you because you're spending time with Him. Bearing fruit in every good work. When I was growing up, um, my dad wasn't a believer, but we would be watching TVs together sometime and the evening news would come on. And we'd go, oh, there go those do-gooders again. I don't know what he meant by that. it It wasn't anything about... Um, Christianity that he was mocking, but he was just, he was, the idea that I understand now was just this idea of doing good to look good for yourself. But bearing fruit in every good work, scripturally, comes out of an abiding relationship with Jesus. And if you're not, and I'm not, 
abiding in Him, spending time with Him. We were at uh, Delhi's mother's funeral this past week, and I noticed one little phrase that just struck me when they, it was either part of the song or part of the prayer, but it said, Oh, let us adore Him. And I thought, wait a minute. Do I adore Him? Am I adoring Him? Does He know I adore Him? And so whatever I'm doing, and whatever you're doing, whatever we are doing, if we're bearing fruit in every good work, that fruit that they're talking about is spiritual fruit of abiding in a relationship with God. It's not just going and doing good works, social work, feeding the hungry, taking care of the poor. No, it's the work of God because they're going to be hungry again. and They're going to need another place to live. But if they don't know Jesus, that's the center. So bearing good fruit is pointing to Him. Bearing good fruit, letting the Holy Spirit lead and guide you. Set time aside that His Word and His will sets the compass for your day. And then you must, once you start to set that time with Him, you're going to have to defend it, and you're going to have to battle for it diligently. You're going to have to battle against fatigue. I don't know if you find this out, but when I go to pray, I just fall asleep sometimes. I open up my Bible, I can't remember what I read. So you're going to have to battle fatigue. You're going to have to battle discouragement. When you find out you went to pray and you fell asleep, or you went to read the Word and you fell asleep, or you open up the Word and you spend an hour reading, you can't even remember what you read. You'll have to battle discouragement. You'll have to battle distractions, constantly trying to distract you away from the central thing. Bearing fruit in every good work by being in the Word and then being obedient to the Word because you know the Word and the Word is in you and you're in the Word. And that word is compelling. And you're going to have to battle good things. There's lots of good things that is battling for your time, your energy, your talents. And so if you're going to bear fruit in every good work, it's going to be because you set time alone and time aside with Him. So living a life worthy is bearing fruit in every good work because you're spending time with the Master. If you're spending time with the Master... You don't have to worry about this list of things you need to do to do good works. If you're spending time with the Master, He said, follow me. He's moving. He's going places. He's going to meet people. And He said, follow me. You'll be just fine. Spend time with Him and follow Him. And you'll be fine. Third thing, it says growing in the knowledge of God. You can know a lot of things. I mean, I think, I don't know this for sure, but I think people use their phone and they say, Google such and such, right? And you can, right? What's the lady's name in there? What's that? She's got to be awful skinny to fit in there. But uh, Siri, whatever, you know, and they talk to their phone. And you can you can find out all kinds of knowledge. And it's exciting. Knowledge is exciting. But Look at what he's saying. A life worth living is a life growing in the knowledge of God. How much does it matter to you that you would grow in your knowledge of God? 
in all the things some of you for your job is about knowing. Whether from being a plumber to a teacher to a doctor to an electrician, you've got to know things. I understand that. But a life worthy, living a life worthy, is a life growing in the knowledge of God. There should be some passionate pursuit of that knowledge. As much as there is of how to catch, I mean, as unimportant as it is, how to catch a 12-pound walleye, okay? <laughs> I mean, you could study that, but what if you were passionately pursuing growing in the knowledge of God? There's no shortcuts. There's no replacement for personal study of Scripture and personal application of Scripture in coming to know God. There's just no shortcuts. You cannot know God by osmosis because if somebody else is knowing God, you'll, you can get a picture. You can say, hey, you're in a relationship, but if you don't step into that relationship yourself and continue to pursue Him through Scripture and prayer and fellowship, you can't grow in your relationship with God and you're going to stagnate and you're going to go backwards. It's growing in the knowledge of God. There's a passage, you can look it up later. Let me just read quickly to you out of uh, first or Second Peter. Second Peter says this in chapter 1 of Second Peter. It says, Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through your knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him and His precious promises. And then it says, make every effort to add to your faith. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're not in a growing relationship with Jesus, a growing relationship with God because you are pursuing Him, it's possible you could be unproductive and ineffective in your relationship with God. That's in the people you're responsible to, you're responsible for, and the people who are watching you. And it means that you're going to be dealing with frustration. You're going to be dealing with discouragement way more than you need to be because you're not walking where you should be. In the book of Daniel, he tells us that knowledge will increase. But he wasn't saying that in a good thing necessarily. But knowledge of God for the Christian is to be continual because we're spending time in a passionate pursuit of Him. And living a life worthy is growing in the knowledge of God. So you need to learn a lot of things, young people. I have realized that. And you're overwhelmed and inundated with stuff all the time. But it will benefit you in your enduring walk with God to continue to learn of Him and learn what it means to stay abiding in Him. It goes on, Paul's encouragement there. 
And the fourth thing he says is that you'll be strengthened with his power. It says being strengthened with all power. That's his power. All power is his power according to his glorious might. So I hope you're overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed at the task of living a life worthy. But there is no other life worthy than one that is pleasing to God, bearing fruit in every good work, one that is growing in the knowledge of God, and then one that's lived by his power. You could go through many verses in the scripture where it talks about things like this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory. That's in Ephesians chapter 3. In Ephesians chapter 1, the prayer there, it says that uh, you would know the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. So we're to depend on his power. His strength. It's interesting. If you start to pay attention to some of the athletes today, some of the sports teams, some of the, the business leaders, they are pursuing life at a serious level. But if they're not in Christ, they're pursuing life in their own strength, in their own power. And it's going to become a house of cards. It's going to be a self-directed life, self-promoted life, and a self-propelled life that can only go this far. But if it's a life filled with his power, dependent on his power, his strength, that's a life that's worthy. That's a life lived well. The fifth one there. It says developing and practicing endurance and patience. I was reminded, visiting with a friend yesterday, that the, the book of Revelation tells us that we're going to need endurance and patience. And we're going to need endurance and patience to continue to walk the Christian life, to continue to stay, and he tells us in Colossians himself, remain, continue, continue on. This is how you started, but continue on. So patience and endurance are two things, neither of which you can find sitting on a couch playing a video game. Well, you can challenge me on that, but maybe your thumbs will build some endurance. But as far as endurance for real life events and relationships, it will shortchange you because you're going to need endurance and patience, which comes through going through trials with your eyes fixed on God fixed on Christ through stress, through strain, through trials, without which growth growth is impossible. I was just reminded this morning telling somebody, I know a friend of mine who, who used to be my mentor, he's passed on now, but we had the I had the privilege of spending time with him. He would try to speak into my life when I was in difficult times and even when I was in good times. And he would tell me, Chris, never miss the privilege of your problem. Never miss the privilege of your problem. And I didn't understand really what he was saying, but I understand now because Scripture reminds us over and over again that knowing that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, produces patience, produces endurance, and a life 
worthy, a life that is worthy of God, is a life that's dependent on Him. And through that dependence, it develops endurance and patience. But those are practiced out in day-to-day life. You will have the opportunity today to practice endurance and patience. The people who live with you have to practice endurance and patience. Do they not? Do we not with each other? And so we walk with the Lord, staying in that enduring relationship. And then that results in joyfully giving thanks to the Father. The privilege and the opportunity of the outflowing of a life that's worthy is a life that is joyful. The visit I had yesterday was just it was heartbreaking. The person came in with no joy. The person left with no joy because their life isn't worth a life being lived for God, a life that is pointed to Him, a life that is pleasing, a life that is bearing fruit, a life that's growing in the knowledge of God, growing in the knowledge of how to get away with crime in, in their own strength. So we have the awesome privilege here, just at the beginning of the letter. And we're not even to the the meaty weight of the letter yet about the person and the work of Jesus. This is just calling us, calling these Colossians to that your life matters. And if you haven't been told lately, how you spend your time matters. How you spend your energy matters. What you're reading, what you're watching matters. And if we're going to get to uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, where he says, So then just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him and be strengthened. You won't do that, and I won't do that, and we won't do that unless we're applying these basic principles to our life that we're seeking to live a life worthy of the Lord, that we're seeking to bear fruit in every way, that a life worthy of the Lord is growing in the knowledge of God. It's lived in His power. It's lived in a way that develops endurance and patience. It's lived a life that's thankful and grateful, thankful and grateful for everything we have in Him. Father, thank You. We can go a lot of places and be invited to a lot of things. And the the army even has a slogan, be all you can be. But you alone, Father, can call us to a life worthy, a life lived well, pleasing, a life that is productive and effective, a life that is bearing good fruit. Father, continue to lead and guide us. Continue to call us up out of unworthiness of living into living a life that uh, pleases you, a life that glorifies you, a life that points to you. In Jesus' precious name, amen.